What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Next Level Freedom Church podcast. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church in Jackson, Missouri. If you're seeking a church family that can help you grow in your relationship with Christ, or maybe you just want to check us out online, be sure to check out our website, www.nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. I hope today's episode will inspire you and encourage you as you fulfill the destiny God has for your life and fulfill your divine purpose in God's master plan. Thanks for tuning and God bless. Hello everyone, welcome back to Unified. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church here in Jackson, Missouri. We are so glad that you joined with us today on this very special episode of Unified. We are going to be having a roundtable discussions with questions that some people had at the conference, with general questions we get from people, and we want to have that discussion. So what I have with me right now is a room full of pastors and ministers, and we are going to talk to you in the best we can about answering some of these questions. First off, to my left, I have John Stapleton, a Recently ordained minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. John, if you want to say hi or in, introduce yourself real quick. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> All right. To his left, we have Brett Heilman, who is the associate pastor here at Next Level Freedom Church. Hello, everyone. It's good to be here. And then to his left, we have Pastor Ed Rhodes. You guys heard from him back in February. Hello. Good to be with you again. All right, and to his left, we have Brother John Davis Jr. You heard from him in April. I'm back. He's back. <laughs> and also Minister Eddie Street, who is in the house with us. You heard from him in November. Eddie, you want to say hi to the people? What's up? It's your boy E. Diddy representing for whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so just to prove that I'm not alone, and we are having a roundtable discussion. We've been having a little bit of fun before the show, so you may notice some giggles and stuff going, but it's just because we've been talking, and we cannot wait to minister the gospel. And what I, I think I'd like to start with, is for those that don't know the people around this table, you just got them saying hi, is give just a brief introduction of who you are and... You know what you do if you're a pastor or a minister, however it is. So what I want to do is I'll start with you, John Stapleton. Go ahead and give a brief introduction. Okay, I'm a retired maintenance pipe fitter, septuagenarian, and uh, I've been active in my walk with Christ for a number of years. In my youth, I sought to become ordained as a uh, evangelical Lutheran Church of America pastor and that didn't work out, and I've progressed to this point, and I'm about to soon be ordained in Joy Church. As of this recording, he has not been yet, but by the time this goes up, he may already have been ordained. So uh, that is a little bit on John Stapleton. Moving on to his left. Brett, go ahead. Uh, hello, again. A <laughs> um, little bit about me. Uh, I mean, I've, I've shared on Unified before, but I've uh, been, been an associate pastor for since uh, 2012 more recently i've made the move over here to uh, next level freedom church uh, associate pastor there uh, i work at a place called tower rock stone where i drive a big truck and haul haul some rock and <laughs> enjoy doing that as well but yeah i'm just looking forward to uh, actually getting here with a group of ministers today it's kind of uh, it's kind of exciting to be sitting here and sharing with other people that i don't normally get the opportunity to share like this with so looking forward to it 
And you may know Brett from Let's Talk with Trenton and Brett. If you check out that podcast, oh, yeah. it's the same Brett. And so uh, he's with us today. Go ahead. This Next after him, I have Pastor Ed Rhodes. From Joy Church, and so good to be with you today. Uh, I um, retired in 2013 as a United Methodist pastor, and then campus pastor with New McKendree United Methodist Church, and then we started Joy Church. So we've Amen. been going probably about um, seven years now. So just thankful to be with you today, Trenton. Joy Church is the church that we have teamed up with here at Next Level Freedom Church. We share a facility and we share. We are a unified body of believers and that is our goal is to unite the body of Christ. So that's a little bit on Ed and Joy Church. Next to him we have John Davis Jr. Yes, um, y'all are familiar with me already from my unified show before. My name, I'm from New Orleans. Most of my life I've been a... uh, I work with you with youth and mental health, all right, and that's why so much of uh, of your testimony really hit home to me, you know. And I look forward to getting ordained and being, you know, being a pastor because I was I wasn't necessarily pushed in this, but you, you get you get a nudge so many times until eventually you need to go ahead and make a choice, you know. And it was it was quite simple, so um, I look forward to just being able to do my part, you know, in this in this group of ministers. And the person he was referring to there is Eddie Street, who just shared with us today when this is being recorded at our Freedom Conference and was sharing his story. So the story he's relating to there is that. And John Davis Jr. is also one that will be getting ordained. And as the time you hear this, he may already be ordained. So he is an ordained minister as well. And right next to him, last but not least, is Eddie Street. This is Eddie Street. For the last 20 years, off and on, I have worked with children's church, youth ministry, and young adults. I've also preached Sunday morning services to adults as well. But definitely my calling has been uh, to the younger people so far. I have lived in the country. I've lived in the inner city. I am half Mexican and half white. Uh, So hopefully I'll be bringing a lot of different perspectives here to muddy the waters even more. I have worked in the Catholic Church, the Church of God, the Assemblies of God. I preached in Baptist churches, Methodist churches. So I might be a little all over the place for you. (laughs) Amen. So we're looking forward. And what I like and what I think I'm so excited with at a show like this is there are so many thoughts and I don't want to say opinions in a bad way, but viewpoints viewpoints that can be brought to the table when we're talking about questions that you guys have had. We're going to talk about general questions that are asked a lot in this society, and we're going to pull a few from our Freedom Conference, which were brought up here as we did that today. So with that being said, I want to go ahead and start with this one that each and every one of us will get to talk about. I want to start with... John Stapleton here in just a second. The question was, what verses pull on your heart the most? So what we're going to do is we're going to go around the table, and each one are going to give at least a verse that speaks to them the most and why that verse speaks to them. Go ahead, John. Oh, actually, it's uh, it's part of a psalm. I can't even recall the, the number. But in viewing myself as a sinner... I find myself always, as I'm approaching God, to repeat this to myself, create in me a clean heart, O God. So I'm coming to God 
clean. Amen. Ready to receive him. Amen. So created me a clean heart, oh God. Brett, what got one that speaks well, to you? Well, you know, I was I gave a little bit of a different answer earlier. I want to share something else. Um, when I first accepted Christ, one of the things, and I don't have a specific verse, so I'm sorry because there's a number of them, but one of the things, and I know this is this may sound strange, but one of the things that got me so interested in reading the scriptures was reading about Jesus casting out the evil spirits. And, you know, throughout that they say, who is this that can, you know, that commands the demons? And as I read that, I begin to want to know more about the scriptures. And I begin, and I think what it was was, who is this Jesus that's that's so powerful, you know, about this, that that everything, you know, everything listens to him. He's in control of everything. And that was one of the things that brought me into the scripture and really got me into it. Really what it led into was my study of prophecy over the years. Is I don't, I don't know how I went from there to prophecy, but that was what got me digging into the scriptures. So I guess that my answer to that is, is recognizing in the scripture who Christ was, and that was the verses that really led me to study and to dig in to find out who he really was. Okay. Yeah, Pastor Ed? Mine is Philippians 3.10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed unto his death. That has guided me, and that's that's what I want to, to be and know. Amen. All right. Brother John Davis, Jr. Mine would be uh, Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you in my righteous right hand. And I think what... what that that really means something to me, like within my spirit of who I am, you know, as as a man and a true believer in in Christ, is there's there's been just like every last one of us, there's been so many situations and like to where I was like beyond fear. I had I it was more than fear, you know, and knowing in my heart of hearts knowing that, you know what, I got to give this to him. This is not my issue. This is not my fight. You know, if I say I believe and I trust, then it should be no problem for me. We don't have, I'm going to have to go through some stuff, but it's, it should be no issue. I shouldn't be worrying about this constantly over and over and over and over. You know what, I give it to him and then I keep moving. You know, like I, like I, I had this little saying and then I'm going to be quiet. I had a little saying. Obey and stay out of the way. You know, I know how to be obedient. But once I give it to him, it's over. I can't go back and forth. And that that, that scripture puts me in that frame of mind. It, it, has, it has my heart focused on, you know what, I'm taken care of not by my, my own will, but by, by God's will. And that's that I really do like that one. Amen. And Eddie Street. Mine is John sixteen thirty three. I might be slightly paraphrasing it, but it basically says, I tell you these things so that in me you may have peace. For in the world you will have trouble, but fear not, for I have conquered the world. I love that so much because Jesus is pulling no punches. He's just letting us know right now, life is going to be hard. Mm-hmm. You're not going to think you can make it, but you're on the winning team. I've already died for you. We've already won. 
So fear not. You don't have to be afraid of nothing. Right. We got this. It's going to be hard, but we got this. Amen. Amen. When I first <coughs> surrendered to ministry, for those of you curious, I uh, Revelation 3, 5 was the first verse that came to me when I'd surrendered. It said, He who overcomes will be like them, clothed in white, and I shall never erase his name from the book of life, but proclaim his name before my Father and his angels. And that told me and spoke to me at the time because it was speaking to me saying, If I can overcome and I can stick with God, then I'm going to make it. And I think that's an encouragement. And since then, of course, I've added a couple. 2 Corinthians 5.17 is one of my favorites. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And what you're probably going to notice similarly around this table as we've each given verses is these verses have spoken to us at different times in our lives, and that's why they still stand out to us. Another big one that came to me as I was preaching, John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that was Jesus talking. So be encouraged knowing, just like Eddie was just saying about overcoming, Jesus has already overcome the world. So you can do it. You can make it. If you're struggling with anything, find that verse that speaks to you and hold on to that verse and that promise. Now, wait a minute, though. Why did you get three? Because now you sound more spiritual than the rest of us. I mean, I know it's your podcast, but uh, I got more, too. <laughs> Eddie, messing with me here. But now, you can give another one. You want to give don't another? edit that oh, out. Oh, okay. I don't want them to know. <laughs> so, uh, next question we had at the conference was, what does your one-on-one time with the Lord look like? And this is another one. And we're going to start with Eddie, since he had something to say about the last one. We're going to start with him on here. And I'm just kidding. Eddie and I have known each other for like over 20 years, guys. So that's why we talk to each other that way. For those of you thinking, man, they're rude on this podcast, right? So, but uh, what does your one-on-one time? And I'm going to let this one go around the table real quick, too, just to give you an idea that we all have to make that time, whether it feels like we've got that time or not. Go ahead, Eddie. Uh, well, I shared a few minutes ago when I was doing my message that mine looks awful right now, and it has for a very long time. You may be shocked to hear somebody at this round table admit that, but uh, something else I talked about was dealing with baggage and depression and, 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 and just the sin that weighs us down. And sometimes all those things cripple us to the point that we almost can't get out of bed sometimes, let alone have that intimate time with with jesus who sees right through us and it's no excuse uh, but i just i'm just want to share that with you guys because i know everyone listening to this isn't going to be having a really great time with jesus right now and putting in the work that we know we need to put in and some of you might have sins that are getting in the way or depression or anxiety or whatever your struggle is know that you're not alone <laughs> but just keep seeking god never give up because he's never going to give up on us That's show up show up Mm-hmm. John Davis, right. go ahead. Uh, well, like Brother Eddie, mine looks a mess. <laughs> but at the same time, you know what? Seek him first and continue to seek him first and continue to show up. You know, now, we, this may sound strange to a lot of people out there, but it seems as though when things are just a hot mess and everything is just like this big, quagmire of confusion that's kind of when I have my best relationship times with him you know when things just just in total disarray you know and then I could, then it's like then I make a point I 
could have been doing this and maybe wouldn't have had none of this happen. But, you know, it's like, fuck you. You ain't been doing it. You will now. And that's and that's just how it is. You know, that's how it goes. Am I consistent with it? No. And I've shared with Pastor Ed. No, that is something that I definitely need to work on. You know, we were talking today, Eddie. Mm-hmm. It's like, you have to make time. We I'm sitting there saying, you know what? Remember, wife staying up to 1 o'clock in the morning just to have a chance for your brain to relax. Because the children going to sleep, nobody's calling you, nobody's doing that. And then it's, it's, almost, it's almost just it's just like this. I just want to relax. Talking to God in, in certain respects is not relaxing. You know, but in actuality, the more that I do it, come to find out, it truly is. Right. You know what I'm saying? But it, it has to be, and I had to realize that. You know, so it's just like it doesn't matter. Does is there a format to it? No. Is there a, a certain time of day? No. You know what? It's just you know what you got to do it. You have to make a time, and it doesn't matter what time of the day, what time in the morning. You gotta you gotta find a way to make that relationship stronger. You really you really do. Let me just unpack something that he said for a second when he said, "I'm sorry if I'm paraphrasing you, but that sometimes having that time with God is isn't peaceful and isn't relaxing." Some of y'all might be confused at what could that look like, and I don't want to speak for him, but for me, I, sometimes when I, some of us don't enjoy reading. Some of us, it's hard for us to read. Some of us have dyslexia and other reading struggles. So to sit down and read the Bible, stuff that's not always super, super clear and hard to understand, it can be a, a just a challenge to get through a chapter. Uh, and the other thing with, with the prayer, when you're dealing with things, when you've got sin in your life that you're struggling with, or you've got unresolved anger issues or whatever baggage you have and to spend that intimate time with Jesus praying it can make you very very vulnerable again cause more stress make you feel worse again that's not what God put these things here to do but sometimes in our own human nature it becomes that so if you've ever felt that if you ever struggled those things again you're not alone you're seeing here from ministers from people trying to do the will of God those are struggles we all deal with Ed, Pastor Ed I've struggled with that. I didn't say it in the, the conference, but since I was a kid, I was fortunate to be raised in the church, and I knew there's some things I needed to do. I was told, you got to pray. you got to read the Bible. you got to do this. you got to go to church. And it can become almost legalistic or religious, and you do it because you know it's right, not because your heart wants to do it. And so I struggle that even through through ministry, for 35 years in um, the United Methodist Church, I knew I needed to do some certain things, but I was so busy getting sermons together, running here, going to the hospital, weddings, funerals, all this, and where did God get to fit in? Mm. I think that's something that pretty much everybody here could testify with if you've preached messages. I know I have had those moments where... The, sometimes it feels like the only Bible reading you get in is the message studying, what you've been studying for your work, <coughs> instead of just reading for luxury and for pleasure, just to have time with God. And those are the moments, those are the things that we work on, and that's what we get better at. So if you're listening, that should be encouragement to you. We all have those moments. Brett, go ahead. You can give your thoughts. Well, this world is extremely distracting, isn't it? Like, we were, I think we was Let's Talk, we were talking about this. There's so many distractions that we have, and the main one is we've all got them sitting, some of us, the cell phones sitting on the table in front of us. I mean, 
I've sat there and watched people stroll on those things for hours, right. you know, and, okay, I found myself guilty of it, and I look at the thing, and I look around, and I went, I haven't spent time with my kids, I haven't done this, I haven't, and I've just wasted nothing but an hour or whatever looking at, just looking at nothing, mm-hmm. and I think that's what I want to say is just distraction. We, The church, the Christians, we've got to get distraction out of our life, and that's one, you mm-hmm. know, mine is, sometimes mine's a mess too. And I'm, I used to love to read. And whenever I was on the night shift, I said, when I get the day shift, I'm going to have all the time I want to read. <sighs> Same kids, <laughs> you know, just the problems just happen at night instead of, you know, different whatever. But it's, we've all got struggles, we've all got problems, and we've all got distractions. So for me, sometimes it's not always cracking open a Bible and reading a chapter. Sometimes it's at work, you know, at work and time to pray, or sometimes it's just, um, listening to podcasts and listening to things, I found myself listening to something and receiving more from listening to somebody teach the Bible than I would have at home trying to read the Bible for 15, 20 minutes with all the kids running around and everything else kind of going on in the background. It doesn't matter where you go in the house, you can still hear it, you know, and it's, it's a distraction. So sometimes just popping in your headphones and listening to somebody teach you something God can just God can speak to you just as well that way as He can another way. And I'm not saying that that is a substitute for reading no. your scripture, but sometimes that's what God you know that's what God has planned for you is to 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 hear His word through something else. So since we're all different, there are different tools out there, right? And whatever works for you, experiment with the different tools. That, one of my favorites by Oswald Chambers, most for his highest. Arm, there's prayer books, there's a year through the Bible or whatever. There are a lot of tools. Just fix fix your eyes on one of those tools and then fix your eyes on Jesus. Mm. Make time for them. you got to put them in your schedule just yes. like you do everything else. You've got to schedule that time with God. And sometimes that's where, that's where the time happens, even though it feels like we're scheduling God when he's always there. I mean, there's always those moments where we just talk to God. I have those all the time. But as far as actually sitting down to have a thorough Bible study, I feel like a lot of times that the most I get is, like I said a minute ago, writing the message. Like I'm digging while I'm writing. So uh, that I want to just wanted to stop there for a second to just be encouraged. Don't condemn yourself no. because you struggle with that. Know that everybody struggles with it. John Stapleton, go ahead. Well, I have become busier since I've retired <laughs> than I ever imagined I would be. Yes. And it's, it's getting exponentially worse. I've been retired now 20 years. And, wow, I'm building a house right now. <laughs> so, but I find I use tools. I always was very slow at reading. So audio Bibles are great. Mm-hmm. I've got a couple of different ones that I consult daily. And to to really get into it, I got to go back to that verse that I mentioned earlier, and, and the whole thing, creating me a clean heart, O oh God, yes. renew a right spirit within me, cast me not away from your presence, and take not your holy spirit from me, restore unto me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with your free spirit, and that kind of puts me in the frame of mind. And then, for years and years and years, I've recited the Lord's Prayer by rote. And I make it a point to just 
take the time to say the Lord's Prayer and think about each word as I say it. And, wow, that's really different. (laughs) All right. Uh, the next question we had, and this one will be specifically for Eddie. We'll start with him. And if anybody else has worked with youth here, if you want to chime in, go for it. Because uh, this is pertaining to youth and teens. It says, is there anything specific or special you do or suggest when ministering to teens? And then in parentheses, it says best advice. Go ahead, Eddie. I think, and I touched on this in my, in my sermon, it, it's, it's just showing up. Because you never know. If they're going to like you that day, if they're going to hate you that day, same kid, you're being the same. But we, we all get our mood swings, especially when you're going through the teenage years. They might be having a bad day, whatever. So you don't take it personal. You just keep showing up for them. And I shared earlier with some of the guys here that there's some kids in my group right now. And one kid, pretty much as soon as I showed interest and, and I cared about them, they responded right away. And they always run up to me and they're happy to see me and everything's good. And I feel like I'm having a positive impact in their life. And another kid, it took almost a year of me just saying, hi, what's up, asking about that person's life before they actually, now they come up to me, they tell me about their soccer game, they tell me how their day was, to the, to the point where they're like excited to see me in their own little way. And so you never know what you're going to get. And you could try, you could pray, and you can try, and some kids will never respond to you. But as long as you just keep showing up, and show that you care and show that you actually aren't just telling them, don't do this, don't do that, and you better read your Bible. If they know you care about them, I think they'll respond to you positively. And that's kind of like adults when they know if you're being real or fake. Mm -hmm. If you're really interested in their life, they can tell. Mm -hmm. And we talked about that a little bit this past Wednesday, at least when this was recorded. And so people can tell. So anybody else got thoughts on John? Go ahead. I I, I spent spent, a little less than eight years working with, with you. They had different mental disorders, you know, schizophrenia, bipolar, all of that stuff. And first of all, when you meet me, you get me. I'm not going to ever be anything else but me. And one thing that is, is important, you know, working with any any youth, but especially in, in, in this environment, you know, being in a in a in a in a spiritual environment, rule number one: please meet them where they're at. Do not try to automatically bring them to the next level. You can't do that off top because look what you say. It took a year yeah. before he, he had he had he had been he was established in his relationship the whole time. You know what? Meet them where they're at, and it's gonna happen. We all do it. But keep it to keep it to the minimum. The judging, let it be what it is. Let this person be what it, what it is. Just because he's this way for this for the past six months, don't mean for the next six months be that way. You know what I'm saying? He or she'll be that way. You know what? The Lord works on all of us differently, and you have to allow each person to get embedded in their walk. What I believe, what my role is, is you know what? I'll see where you're at. I understand. Anything I can do to help you, you're getting that. You're getting that. Showing up is not even an option. That's a mainstay. I don't have a choice. 
You know what I'm saying? And that, that's how I feel because I, I think about the way I grew up and being a part of the church and all, all the different functions and this and that. And I'm like, man, well, I just feel like taking a math test right now. I don't even feel like going to do this. I'd rather be in school, you know. But at the same time, we did it. And after a while, it does become a habit, a habit and people think, well, well, you're just doing that habitually. You know, they, that's why you're doing that. It's because it's all habit. But you know what? So what? So it's a beautiful habit. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's a habit that, that I, I want to grow even more. So, I mean, it's just when you're dealing with any youth, but it, like I said, especially in this, this, this environment, in this, in this genre, is that we really have to meet, meet them where they're at and continue, continue to show up and don't lose sight of the goal. Jesus first, as always. And, and just like he's going to work on the child, he can work on you too, you know, to, to do your part. You you got five different kids you said in, in your youth group in one in one little section up there. You know what? You're gonna deal with each one of those children differently. Oh yeah. So you need them just as much as the as the kids do, as the youth do. So you know, it's just it's just being pliable. You have to continuous continuously be ready to 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 shift and shape so that you can reach this person, even if it's just one. Yeah. Anybody else? Something I think that's part of it is is be real, mm-hmm. even as a pastor or if you're a leader of youth or whatever, a teacher, even just a member of the congregation. Be real. Right. Don't put on your Sunday best and <laughs> and come in and then then they see you out in the week and you're you're not the same. <laughs> be real and be an example because you're watching. I remember in a sermon one Sunday I was. Well, not it was children's sermon, and I said, "Kids, what what would you think if you saw me go into Casey's down here and get a box of cigars and, and some Jack Daniels and and pick up Playboy and so forth?" And and I come up here in the pulpit and tell you, "Don't do any of those things," I'd be a hypocrite, mm. and I wouldn't have any credibility with you at all. So you got to be real, but being ex- know that you're on display wherever you are. Uh, I share this quite often on Sunday. I believe it's a credit to St. Francis of Assisi. Preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. Because people, look at your lives first. Working with youth, adults, older people, unchurched people, be real. And and just set an example. And then, as Eddie Street said, show up. And that is our vision statement at Next Level Freedom Church, is reaching others where they're at. They want to know, how can God help me now, where I'm at, before they want to know your gospel? Yes. I don't want to know a God that, you know, I don't know anything about. How, how do you show me love? And looking at you, like he was just saying, is sometimes the best example they get. You may be the only Jesus anybody ever sees. We've heard that in our churches growing up. So uh, always be real. Always be ready to reach people exactly where they're at. Don't condemn them before you get to know them. So. Mm-hmm. Anybody else got anything to add to that one before? Uh, just real quick, I really like what Eddie said about just show up because I was a youth pastor for, I don't know, number number of years. I don't know exactly. But uh, one of the things that I always – I don't think I was very good at the job, really, looking back at it. I don't think it was my calling, but I, I stepped into place, and, you know, I did I, – I was there. 
And, you know, that's one of the things that I've always looked back is that there was there was no one else there, but I was there. And we may not have had a huge group over the years, and, you know, they've all grown up now, and I've still got friendships with most of them. You know, they're all adults, and some of them's married or get married or getting married. And I w- I'm just able to look back and say that I'm so glad I was able to be there. And the reason I say that is because when I stepped into youth ministry, I was actually laid off work for nine months, and I stepped into it. Then I had to go back to work and work night shift. Well, when is youth group is always Wednesday nights or Sunday nights or whatever. So I had to basically do everything that we did as a youth group on Sundays. And that was always hard because Sundays a lot of times was my only day off. So I had to basically give my only day off to show up, like Eddie said, to be there. And you youth ministers out there, if you're listening, youth pastors, I, I know that it may not seem like much and you may really think, man, I'm not doing a whole lot. But if you're showing up and you're being consistent right. and you're applying, you're, you're giving everything that you have, you're giving those kids more than any person that can quote a thousand scriptures to them or anything like that. Just just being there. And I don't want to say just being their friend, but being their friend is a huge part of it. But showing them the love of God through your life, they're going to get more from the gospel through you showing it through your life than they're ever going to get you throwing the Bible at them and quoting all kinds of scriptures. So yes. be consistent and show up like Eddie's been saying. I like what you said about you didn't think you were all that good at the job. How many people are sitting at church or in the community right now that they feel like God asked them to do something, but they say, well, I'm not good enough to do that. Mm-hmm. I'm, ain't nothing good about me. I'll just mess it up. But look in the Bible. God does not call <laughs> the most qualified or the best of the job. He calls whoever is willing to answer yeah. the call. So if you feel any need calling from God that says, be with these kids, be with these young adults, whoever, minister to the homeless, answer that call whether you feel like you're good or not. He'll teach you. There's on-the-job training when you work in ministry, so you'll be all right. <laughs> Just keep showing up. All right, and I substitute teach here throughout the school year, and you can tell the kids that have the issues at home, and what the best thing we can do as teachers is to try to love on them while they're there because you may be the best life they get and that's why they enjoy being at school more than they're being at home and we've heard um, Eddie's talked about it in his testimony before and others I, I don't remember everybody's talked about it before but have had rough home lives and that just being there for people because you never know what they've been through to get where they're at so right. anything else anybody else well, was, uh, what he said there's a from the New Living Translation God chose things despised by the world things counted as nothing at all and use them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. Amen. Mm. All right. That should have been your verse for what's that speaks to. That's a good one. <laughs> one more, and then we cut up the And he's like, hey, yeah, we get more than one. Okay, but he'll have a chance here. So I want to jump to the second question that's on here, because I know we're probably not going to have time to get through all of them. But it asks the question, and it says, Why doesn't God eliminate suffering and evil? From the world, and the way I've heard it worded to me directly was, if God's a God of love, then why is there so much evil in the world? And John Davis Jr., were you the one wanting to take that one starting out? Oh yes, oh yes, yes, yes. I'm telling you, I was 12 years old in a theology class, and I specifically told Father Bob, I said, you know what? Why? Do we have free will? I, I asked, and, I, and then I kept asking, I said, why 
Because you know what? If he tells me what to do, I'm going to just do it. Father Bob quickly checked me on that. Mm. And he said, well, if he tells you what to do, you will do it, right? But he has told you what to do. Why don't you do it? I'm going to somebody to make me do it. I want to make me do it. I'm going to do it, and I'll do it happy, but make me do it. Mm. And, but, and he was like, it just doesn't work like mm-hmm. that. And so you got, it, it goes back to uh, the question, mm-hmm. why, does, why, did he, why does he allow pain and suffering and like that? Because all of that is a part of the free will. This is when you go to him. He wants to know who wants to be there. I don't want you, with, I don't want you there. If, if I'm telling you, if you really don't want to be there, but I'm saying, now nah, you're going to be there. I don't want you there. You're going to end up messing the party up. You know? That's your <laughs> You're going to mess it all up. But you know what? If somebody comes on their own volition. Right. And they've done, they've done the requirements to be there. You, man, I, I'm going to love to, for you to be there. Because you know what? You did it. Man, I did it. We did it. Let's go to this party together. And that's, that, that, and to me, this is what the kingdom is, what heaven is. It's like a, it's gonna be like a big party, you know, so to speak. And it's God not saying, "I want you to want me." Yes, yes, mm. yes. Mm-hmm. And and you know what? He just, he, it, it just means something. It, it just a little. I, I'm, I'm getting a little, little, little beside myself a little bit because I remember when I was 12 years old, man. I'm telling you, I argued with the father, I, with the father Bob. I argued with him. Because I was, and because I knew you put you put a situation in my hand, I'm gonna tear it up. I ain't, I'm not gonna make a good decision. Now I make good choices, but when it come down to the come down, I'm gonna mess up more than I do good. For real, when it comes down to to, to walking the walk, and I would, I, I and I felt that way. But then, as he taught, and he took the whole school year to have teach me <laughs> being obedient and what it meant. You know what I'm saying? And I'm a 12-year-old boy. And my mom and dad have been telling me how, how to be obedient. And how the Lord say you do this here. I done got many beatings. It's fine. <laughs> it's all good. But you know what? What he really told me, man, is you know what? Honor honor your mother, mother and father. Get in your book. Establish a relationship. Now, this is young on. This is early on in my life. Establish this relationship with the Lord. He is not sitting up on the mountaintop like Zeus with a lightning bolt ready for you. And I really thought that. I thought that for years, even after that class. I really thought that God hated so it. Man, I, I looked at that lady like that. He's looking at me mad now. He's looking at me. He's about to throw it at me right now. No, he wasn't. He was just like, look, it's going to happen. But come on right. Come on the right side. You know, so that's all I got. We, we have to remember as well, man, we have free will. And so right. when we're talking about why, if God's a God of love, why does he allow so much evil? you got to remember whose kingdom you're a part of right, right now. Now, Jesus took the keys. He's there. He's coming for a second reign. But right now, we're in the devil's realm. Uh-huh. And he doesn't like us very much. And so the decisions that we make are based on our fleshly desires a lot of times, which leads to suffering and evil. So it all gets back to that free will. You can't blame God for our choices. And I, I want to tie this in. I know Ed's got something to say here, so I want to no, tie no, this in. Read the question again if you don't mind. It's, why doesn't God eliminate suffering and evil? So, And, and he wants it to be our choice. Otherwise, we're just robots. We're just right. doing what right. we're told. He wants us to love him willingly. 
If we make a choice to follow and love him, that's where he wanted us to be, which goes a little deeper. And I think, were you going to, Ed Rose, were you going to take this? Uh, you, you go back. When go God, God created the angels for specific purpose. They were created for that purpose, but they served him out of obedience because it, that's what they're made to do. And he created human beings to serve him and choose him out of love. That's why he gave them the free will, so they because the angels didn't have. Well, of course, Lucifer did reject and rebelled against God. He was cast out of heaven, and he's got there are all kinds of consequences from that. And then, of course, Adam and Eve fit into that too when they rebelled against God. But he gave us a free will to serve him out of love, a choice, and it has to be that. Because there's nothing good in us. You, you talked about, I believe, that in right. your message today. There's nothing good in any of us. What, when we receive Jesus Christ and what he's done for us, we have something from outside us that comes in, and th- he begins his perfect work in us. And that takes a while. He's still working on me. He's <laughs> still working on all of us. You know, thinking about the, the last part of that question, why doesn't God just eliminate evil? And it makes me think of, well, where should he start? Because is, is he going to start at the lion level or the cheating level or the murder level? Because if he right. has to eliminate all evil, then guess what? Nobody's sitting at this table. Mm-hmm. And Drop no, the mic. Nobody. For real, man. <laughs> no, I wasn't even coming from that perspective, but that's nobody's gonna, exactly. Yeah, nobody's yeah. going to be here because if he's just going to eliminate, I mean, the people that ask that question, well, if God's so good, then... You know, why, if, if he can just do whatever he wants, why don't he just get rid of all the evil? Well, that person doesn't realize he just eliminated themselves. Right. There's nothing here. It's, I don't know what the proper word is that I'm looking for there, but there is good and there is evil. Mm-hmm. And we have it within ourselves to do either one of those. Right. And it's just like I was teaching my kids here the other day. So my, my littlest one had told me a lie. And my wife reminded me of something I said is that they don't have to be taught how to do evil. They automatically know it. Right. It's because we're born into that. We're born into sin. We have to teach people how to do good. So if we're going to complain about why the world isn't good or why the world is evil, it's because the very things that Christ has given us to share with this world, apparently we're not doing the job that we should be. Right. Because if we were doing the job we should be, the world right now, because we're supposed to take it where? To the world. Mm-hmm. So if we want to eliminate the evil, then we have to share the good, which is Christ. And that's what we have to share because the evil is already within us. We have, to, we have to get rid of that evil, receive Christ into ourselves, and share that with the world. And then what are you judging evil by? God's standard or your standard? What is your standard of evil? And I like what he just said about where does he start then? Because if you just told a lie to your mom or dad, or maybe you're you know you're one of those when you were a kid, you stole a pack of gum from the grocery store, that's all evil. So, see, this is where we get out of line as humans. We try to level this stuff and grade this stuff and say, well, if God's so good, then why doesn't he eliminate evil? And like he just said, by doing that, Whose standard are you judging evil by? If we judge it by God's standard, the Bible, sin can't enter in his presence because he's a holy and righteous God. So we have to judge it by God's standard. But as far as eliminating evil, we've all gotten at the free will thing. And I think Eddie Street here has something to say here. But um, we've all gotten at this free will thing and we have choices to make. And just what you think's evil may not be evil to the next person. So how do you judge that standard? What do you eliminate? Where do you start? So that's all something you have to ask yourself before you start blaming God for suffering and evil. 
Yes, he loves us. He loves every one of us. And he wants it gone. And one day it will be. And we're coming to that day when this kingdom's going to be on earth and this, everything's going to be set straight. But we're not there yet. Go ahead, Eddie Street. And so, Some of y'all at home might hear that and say, well, how do you judge what's good or evil? And right away you're going to say, well, I'll just read the Bible and I can point things out there. But how many different denominations are there in the world right now? The Catholics, the Baptists, whatever, they might not agree and say, well, that's a sin. No, what you're doing is a sin. So then even if you point at the Bible, sometimes there can be confusion because the devil is roaming around trying to seek who he can devour. Yes. So let's just not judge, leave it up to God. The point that I wanted to make, though, was I have a family member who loves this saying, and it's even in a Switchfoot song, which is a Christian band, the shadow proves the sunshine. Through the bad times, we can see how good really is, how good God really is. Through our own sin and evil, we can see how great Jesus was. I pointed out earlier how Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice for dying for us, and how many of us would do that? How many of us would give our child to save somebody else's life? If you came up to me today and said, I need a heart transplant, and your son has the only heart that can save me, there's no way I would say, okay, kill my son, take his heart. That's just not in me. And God only had one son, and he gave him for us. We, when we see how good that is, and then we see our evil, I'm, I'm telling you, it, it just proves how good things are. But if there's no evil, then what's good? Uh, that's not a perfect answer. I'm not saying evil's good or anything like that, but you get my point. John Stapleton, you got anything to add? Or he's been sitting over here quiet, so he's been listening to the discussion. Or I can give you the next question, but you well, have anything to add to that? It's, uh, you know, what is evil? It's it's hard to determine, and we can read scripture and uh, from the word determine what's right and what's wrong. But many people read the word differently, and it's not my place to tell you you're right and I'm wrong. God's the judge. Yep. Jesus sits on the throne; he's going to judge it. I can just tell you, this is what uh, this is what it says. All right, let's move on to the next question. John, I think you wanted to take the lead on this one. Since Jesus told people to turn the other cheek, why aren't more Christians pacifist? That was one you well, wanted, right? Go ahead. Well, that text on turning the other cheek goes back to a matter of interpretation also. I do not see it as an act of submission. During that time, if you struck one on the cheek, you'd have to use your right hand striking their right cheek. And by turning the other cheek, it was basically civil rebellion because you could not customarily strike them on the left cheek. That would be an insult to you. So I don't see where that is. It, it is not a declaration of passivity. It, I think it's a misapplication of the illustration that, I believe it was a Jesus or St. Paul, that said that. Turn the other cheek. Okay, if you want to hit my other cheek, fine. I'm not going to 
I'm not going to prevent you. But in that culture, in that day, it was a, like John said, is a real insult, right, to do that, and you just wouldn't do it. So context and application, right. and with all scripture, makes a big difference. Turning the other cheek, there, I think it's also a reference. That's not saying that you just bow down to all evil. No. And I believe when Jesus made this reference with turning their cheeks, he was talking about them unjustly striking you for being a believer, if I'm not mistaken. In the context of that scripture, he was talking about if they're going to attack you for my sake, then go ahead and let them attack the other side because right. we've got to keep pushing forward with the kingdom regardless. And we see a lot of it in today's world. Regardless of what's going on around us, we're to keep moving. If that means you want to strike me on both cheeks, okay, I'm still going to preach Jesus. It's not going to stop me from my goal. Yes, he was saying good. keep pushing on. I think it's another way he was referencing that. Uh, when I looked thoughts? at the, I looked up pacifist last night because I wanted to better understand the question before I wrote it down. And it was saying that basically to reword the uh, if they said if Jesus said to turn the other cheek, why don't more Christians speak out and not have anything to do with wars and things like that? Right. So I, you know, they were getting at. It, it automatically made me think of um, you know America, and nobody get mad at me or whatever. But there, there there's a a lot of Americans. When you say are you a Christian, they say, well, I'm American, aren't I? And those two things, they, you know, they don't they don't go together. That's you a know, southern thing. I don't. We, we, like, we like to think that, but it, it's it's not true. So I mean, because so, you have this automatic, I'm a patriot, I'm a Christian, and a lot of these, and a lot of people, they have no idea what being a Christian is, or just patriotic, and, and they think that they go together. Right. And so I guess what I'm trying to get at is is why aren't I think the question is trying to say if Christians believe in turning the other cheek, why are they so quick to go to war and fight for the country? Sure. Guns and, and things, Jesus. Yeah, and things like Death that. That's the way I understood understood the question. So I don't know if that brings up any other answers or it's anything. It's a good question. Anybody, it's a good struggle because as Christians, we're, you know, we love everybody. God can forgive everybody. And then five minutes later, drop the bomb on those guys if they don't yeah. like us. And if you don't like this country, get out and, and fry that guy. He deserves to die. So it is, uh, it does seem counter counterproductive to be super gung-ho about both. Uh, it is also, I've thought of this before, if someone wants to rob your house, most people in America think, well, I have the right to shoot them. I'm going to protect what's mine. This is my stuff. You don't come here. I'm going I'm to... And I've thought about before. I've looked, Praise God, I've never been in a situation, so I may feel totally different if this happened. But a passing thought that I had was, what would God be more happy with? If I killed that guy and kept my TV and stereo and whatever I thought was precious, or if I let that guy take it, and now I just don't have a TV and a stereo or a car, God can replace that, but that life, who is just as important as my life, that can't be changed. Now, some of you are thinking, well, what about my kids in the house, blah, blah, blah. I mean, this is a slippery slope. There's a lot of different points. It would depend too. If they're just coming to rob you, or if they're coming in to rape your wife and kill your kids and things right, like then that, right? Then you need to stand then up. There, that's another level of yes. You know, we're also commanded in Scripture to protect our families, right? You know, not to. Ju- you can't just turn the other cheek when someone's raping your wife or trying right. to hurt your right. kids. You can't right. do that. You have to exactly. take some sort of action. You can't just stand there and scream at him. I mean, because right. <laughs> what's that going to do? You know, you, you've so, got to right. get involved at some point. I think point. the good point there is that you, you, you really have to think about each situation. It's not just 
uh, an all or nothing either way. Sometimes you need to be a lot more peaceful, and sometimes you gotta take a stand. You know what? It come to mind is the recent and still ongoing the issues with uh, Israel and how they're being bombarded. You know, with 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 these bombs, and then the, I think what they call it, the iron fence or whatever, can't do it. Can't keep. I mean, some of them gonna land. You know, because they're they're throwing that many bombs. You know, and and I'm I'm not saying. I mean, Israel is a a a, a country that is very close to mimicking America. Just just their lifestyle. You know. We know exactly what Israel is and what it stands for, you know what I mean? But that is very reminiscent to the Crusades. When all those, all those Christians were getting killed by the Muslims or whatnot. And I'm, I'm not saying anything is wrong with any, any, any religion. That is, that's up to you, whatever you want to do. So I'm not trying to persecute anyone. But history. I'm, yeah, that's all that's all it is. I'm just, just, just that's history. That's the history lesson. But I will I will say though, I mean, that persecution back then with the Crusades, what's happening to Israel, what's happening to Christians in different countries of, of, along the across the world, you know, I mean, at some point, you're gonna have to stand up. You know, you're gonna have to take a stand. Now, I'm not saying go out and kill. I'm not saying that. But you have to you have to stand your ground, you know. God, God has given us power to stand ground. Now, this what the kick is. This the kick right here is that you know what? Stand your ground, and I will do your fighting. Let Him lead you and guide you in, in what your next move is. You know. Now, I mean, they got if somebody was bombing America right now, all right. Let's think about how we feel. I want to throw this one out there because I think it's important, and we've got like just over a minute to get an answer. And I think Ed uh, Rhodes was the one that wanted it. What on earth do Christians mean when they say that God, the Bible, is inspired by God? And we've only got a real quick. Everybody, get if you want it. We're gonna have to do this quick, but go ahead because we got to get into his car too. So, <laughs> God used human beings to convey His thoughts and His will and His purpose. That's, that's the gist of it. <laughs> that's the yeah. gist of it. And, and all scripture is inspired mm-hmm. from God. And we really have got to stop. I want to say goodbye, guys. We got to get Eddie to his car. He had a blowout. If you haven't caught the video, you'll have to oh, check it out. Man. But So we got to get him to his car before it closes, and we're right at our hour mark. So uh, final words. Uh, let's see. We've got nothing left. But, Thanks, guys. We love you. <laughs> so God bless you guys. We're going to have to do this again. We still had some questions we didn't even get to. So uh, we'll have to do this again sometime, get another roundtable discussion. And you let us know out there if you've enjoyed that. And make sure you hit us up. NextLevelFreedomChurch.com. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week.